0: Nana Bansu, welcome to Six Session Stories. I am so excited to talk to you today because it's always great to speak to someone who's reading off the same song sheet. And you and I are both certified value builder advisors, and that's how we got connected. And I'm looking forward to our conversation about transferability and how we help business owners create a more transferable, valuable company. So welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Laurie.
0: Why don't we start with you? Can you share a little bit about your background and how you got started as an advisor to business owners?
1: So back in 2020, during the COVID uh, pandemic, that's when I was a little bit stressed. So I, you know, just from having worked in a big company and having through that, my engineering background, I had supported M and A from acquiring different businesses. I realized that I did, and also having either founded or co-founded a couple of businesses, that was where my call biggest calling was. So in looking around, I got hooked up with Mind Valley, and then through that got hooked up with Dr. Wadley, and then through that got hooked up with another advisor who had who helped me do some research. And I came across Valley Builder. And the reason why I like the Valley Builder system was because my previous experience had me had to build frameworks from scratch. Whereas the value builder system actually had a system that was able to help an advisor build a marketing and sales system. So that to me was the the big multiplier, not to mention that it was proven thousands of businesses had used the system to actually develop value. So in talking to them and in talking to other advisors who had been through the system and in applying my previous business using the, the system and the methodology to my previous business, it just seemed to work. So that is what attracted me. I decided to give it a trial run. And I went ahead and got certified. And that's, you know, that's been my journey. I did a couple of pilots with a couple of people. They liked it. They did well. And so I decided to, um, you know, keep it going.
0: Great. That's awesome. So you had a career transition of your own. So the topic of transitions is probably close to your heart. And that's something we talk about a lot on my show. And when I was a guest on on your show, which I appreciated, and we should let everybody know that you have a podcast called Build Value by Choice. And what we do together, I think, is have a great conversation now about what is this topic about value building? What does this mean to a business owner? And let's break it down a little bit so folks can understand some of the language we're using here. So Value Builder is a platform. It's a software platform, and we use it as advisors with wonderful learning modules, but Of course, we're bringing something to the table too, which is our experience. And with all of your engineering experiences and technical companies and your strategic planning background, I'm sure that, you know, again, you bring a lot of things to the table with your clients. So let's talk a bit about value drivers. There are roughly eight of them. If we boil them down, which value drivers do you focus on first with your clients?
1: I tend to focus on the growth potential, and that's because it's tied into what is called the scalability finder. Even though it's not one of the value drivers, to me, that is the fundamental. And a good to great book you know, has had a huge influence on my, on my strategic you know, planning thinking as far as business, and it talks about the hedgehog concept. So as I look at the scalability. What is defined, that? What hedgehog- is Hedgehog. A hedgehog, is, as 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 you know, is a, a little this little animal that you know. Any time uh, a predator comes after it, it can roll itself into a ball with spikes to fend people off. So it's just about identifying three key intersecting things that makes you unique, you're passionate about, and drives your economic or your resource engine. And once you figure that out, then you can start growing on it and start differentiating yourself on an applying technology to accelerate that for long-term you know, you know, building to last and being able to transfer it for building a legacy and longevity. So that to me is the core of the foundation. If you don't have the right foundation, you hang in the leaves off of the wrong trunk.
0: So let's go a step deeper. We're talking about driving growth. Why is that so important? Why is that the first answer you gave me? Why growth potential?
1: Well, because a couple of things. Number one is at some point, the one thing that is for certain is that everybody's going to exit or leave this planet at some point or retire at some point. But if we look at that as a certain point, right, let's just draw that the line as your finishing line, right? Whether it's voluntary or involuntary, somebody's going to have to take it over, right? And so the question is the value is that's the starting point for that person. So how much growth? right how much run, runway do they have after they take over from your finish line All right and so that is that is key as far as the growth potential for your business because it's not about your past performance it's about the future potential for your uh, financial performance and that's why that is that is you know, so important
0: i think it's also probably worth noting size matters for companies and companies of a certain size we we do talk about the size discount Oftentimes people say, oh, well, what's the revenue threshold? It's probably around 5 million, 10 million, you know, certainly a million and under where you have more main street businesses are viewed as more risky because it tends to be so centered around the owner and a company that is larger in revenue, that's more well-established, that has the financials behind them to show, as you said, it's about the future potential, but it is also isn't it, about what financials are in place today? Because if there's going to be a transfer of ownership, the new owners wanna know that there's going to be a predictable flow of future, you know, the future cash flows need to be there. And if it's all about the business owner and the business is so tied to that owner, the success is so tied, then it could hamper that growth potential, right? It won't be as transferable. So I I agree with you that growth potential is a great place to start. I do also want to acknowledge that the financial side plays into it as importantly because of the reasons I just said. What do you what do you think about that?
1: No, I mean, they're kind of interrelated. And I think I think that is absolutely spot on. And maybe that's probably because I just kind of assumed it's kind of embedded, it's kind of woven in there somehow, because the growth potential has to do with the growth in profits. So, you know, if you had the last three years, if you were able to grow profits, you know, 10 to 20% a year, if you're not going to grow that same amount, you know, the next you know, couple of years, then your valuation is going to come down. So, the growth, you know, is the growth in size, the growth in the revenue, the growth in your profits, right? And of course, the reduction in the risk. So that's that's what makes it, so they are definitely interrelated. The financial performance and the growth potential are absolutely two key drivers to to look at.
0: Who is your most important customer? The person who buys your business. Stony Hill Advisors works with owners to maximize the value when you're ready to sell. Get started today with a business valuation by visiting stonyhilladvisors.com slash podcast. You mentioned the scalability finder. You're referring hmm. to one of the modules in the platform, which right. is a, a fantastic module. I use it also in workshops that I do just to give people a sense of, what does it mean to create a scalable business? As you were saying earlier with this hedgehog concept, where if we can discover what is a niche, you know, what is that market niche? What differentiates the business? What should they be scaling on? And then how to do it? Maybe you could explain the scalability finder exercise just at a high level so we get a sense of, of what it is from a nuts and bolts standpoint we're talking about.
1: Yeah, so the key thing is that you cannot just grow in everything because if you grow the wrong thing, you may need to. So for instance, we're in a current environment where there's acute labor shortages and, and acquisition of talent and you know, this inflation, all these different different things. So so the key thing is the yeah, three things to identify using the scalability final your hedgehog, right? You look at what you what do you buy and sell, right? What products and services do you buy and sell? And so the question then is, how teachable are those products and services? And so you mentioned about the owner dependency earlier. If your products or services are highly teachable, then the owner doesn't have, that means the owner doesn't get to not be as involved as much, right? And then you take that and you say, okay, how valuable is it? How much can you differentiate yourself from other competitors or other folks in your industry for that particular product or service? Right, and so that intersection then provides you something because if the customers don't care about it, that's not going to drive your economic engine very well, right? And then, on top of that, you find okay, how repeatable is it? Then you just say okay, because if it's not repeatable, if it's just a one-time thing, again, that is not going to drive you know growth, right? That's it's just not economically viable. So you have those three intersection circles. Once you have that, then you have. The, the products and services that can grow, that can scale that way, you know, if you focus on differentiating yourself on those things, then you have the the springboard in which to, to grow, to scale, to make your business more transferable.
0: Excellent. For business owners that you talk to, how do you think they would answer this question? And the question is, what's the biggest obstacle you're facing in transitioning your company in the future? That's been a survey question. That's been out there from organizations like BEI, and they've asked that. And I know the answer generally, but I'm curious to hear what your conversations sound like.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of very, but it tends to come down to two things. That the main thing typically is that they don't think anybody could do their work as well as they can, because after all, the business a lot of times, especially if they they started the business, is based off of their their intellect, their their spirit that they had that you can't just transfer it to somebody and so that is normally you know the biggest thing which is that nobody can run the business as well as they can the business will lose its identity but a, a lot of times i think it also has to do with it's it's not sad but when you peel the onion a lot of times it has to do with fears also their fear of what's next because if the business was their calling right what's their next calling after that <laughs> Right. So that's that's that is unstated, but a lot of times that's when you you peel the onion, sometimes that's what it comes down to. But they tend to think that nobody can do it as well as they can because the identity and the spirit is, is embodied in that business.
0: Well, I was gonna ask you another question, but I think you've sort of answered it because the question is going to be what's the number one myth or misconception that business owners might have about exit planning? And I think I would guess you'd probably answer the same thing, which is that they are that no one can do what they're doing in their business how do you coach them out of it
1: well i mean i think the the a couple of things the way to coach them out of it is number one try to get them to have added other interests and so the the draw to do something else right gives them the motivation to be able to transfer as much of it as possible bring people along along bring somebody a succession plan, in in this case, some kind of succession plan, even if it's not formal. You know, mentor somebody who can at least do it as well as possible, up to maybe ninety percent, ninety five percent, right, where the owner doesn't have to be there as much. And so that is, uh, so it's it's about systematizing your business. That's 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 the number one thing that I that I coach them on, on it, systematizing it.
0: Do you work with any particular types of companies in certain industries or size?
1: Yeah, I mean, I tend to focus on companies uh, generating uh, ten million dollars in annual revenues or less, and because of my background in IT and financial services, uh, I've also uh, I tend to work in those industries, and I've also worked with um, e-commerce, you know, e-commerce people. Uh, that that fascinates fascinates me, of course. Not you know, not to mention educational technology companies. So, gotcha. That's a forward. nice
0: mix. Yeah. So, there's yeah. some services in there, products. Yeah. And if a business owner is listening and they want to get started, what would be the three things that you would say they should start doing in the next three months?
1: If they want to get started doing what exactly?
0: If they want to get started, they want to learn about exit planning or they want to think about their business transition. You know, maybe what are some of the key questions they should be pondering today?
1: Right. So, they, so great question. So there a couple of things. It's about the journey. It's about the phases. The one thing that they need to understand is that the transition or the transfer phase, uh, they want to go out on their own terms, right? It can't just be, okay, yes, you know, the 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 exit planning or the transition planning. So the, the, the other myth is a lot of times the exit plan, the term exit or the word exit sometimes connotes that like death or, or something, right? So so it's exit planning is not about your life after death, right? It's actually about your life on earth right now. And so you have to think about number one, the first thing you need to think about is what options, how would you like begin with the end in mind, right? Like Stephen Carvey says, um, what options. And understand what options you have. because a lot of time business owners they just only think of one or two options, right? So they need to educate themselves by identifying somebody, an advisor, somebody who can help them identify what options are on the table for them. And then once they identify those options, they can pick you know in rank and order which which ones appeal to them. And then once they do that, then they can then um, work with a, an advisor, right? It could be the same, it could be a, a wealth management advisor. They could have a team, uh, he could have a team or he or she could have a team and identify how much money, if they were to either retire or go do something else, right, is going to be enough to fund their lifestyle, right? Once they have that number, then they can then, they need to then identify what it then, so that's the second. The third thing is, how much is their business worth? Is the business, the worth of their business enough to cover their financial requirement to fund their lifestyle? Uh, and then if there's a gap, that's when they need to then, the fourth one would be, uh, how do they build up that business value? And that's when they talk to somebody like you or me. Um, if, or it could be the same person helping them with the exit planning as well.
0: Excellent, excellent. A couple of fun questions for you, because I know you live in Maryland, but I'm guessing you're not originally from Maryland. Where are you yeah. from originally?
1: So um, my background, so originally born in New York, but raised in Ghana, where my grandparents are from. So I've kind of lived all over the place. So I'm kind of like a military child. Um, So, (laughs) so yeah, New York City by birth, raised in Ghana, I lived in a couple of different states, uh, but lived in Maryland, um, um, like continuously since 97. So that would be about 25 years now.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And when you're not working, what keeps you busy?
1: interesting so a couple of things I like watching sports I, I'm into soccer I, I watch all kinds of sports I used to watch all kinds of sports but what keeps me busy is um, sports I like walking no, walking around the neighborhood um you know that that interests me quite a bit and spending time with family so um, yeah.
0: Some of the simpler things in life. I love it. Very
1: simple, yeah.
0: Okay, well, last question for you. or rounding out two questions. One is, if you have a favorite quote that inspires you, you'd like to share.
1: Well, I mean, Benjamin Franklin said, don't put up till tomorrow what you do today. You do not, as a business owner, want to put off this idea of uh, transition planning because that is part of the business uh, planning process. And so the sooner you can talk to an advisor about it, uh, the better off that you'll be you don't want to have any regrets uh you know sometime down the line so that would be that would be my favorite quote. that's a great quote so
0: because it's not exit planning isn't a negative it's a, it is part of business planning it's something that every owner should do I love that if people want to get in touch with you Nana what's a great way for them to reach out and find you
1: yeah they can reach me on LinkedIn or Facebook they can also reach me via email and at infhorizons.com yeah or they can go to our website infhorizons.com.
0: Awesome. Nana, thanks so much for being with me today. It was really fun.
1: Thanks for having me.